Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to Mads World. I'm your host, Mads, and I am delighted to be back for season four of the podcast. I've been hustling away to bring you guys the freshest content with some killer guests lined up. In my time between seasons, I've had more bad dates, more embarrassing stories, and a sobriety relapse, and I can't wait to tell you guys all about it. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I've also created a Facebook group that you guys can all join. I'm hoping to start a little community where we can all share opinions, advice, and stories to be discussed on the podcast. There is a link in the show notes. This week, I am joined by journalist, podcaster, documentary filmmaker, and best-selling author Chris Atkins. Chris went to prison for tax fraud in 2016 and spent nine months in HMP Wandsworth, one of the most dangerous and dysfunctional prisons in the UK. His book about his time in Wandsworth, A Bit of a Stretch, is available now and is a shocking, hilarious and heartbreaking recount of prison life. You can also listen to his podcast with the same name, featuring testimonies of other prisoners, highlighting a collapsing system that is failing both victims and wider society. Up next, you'll hear our chat about how sex and relationships function in prison alongside some of Chris's funniest anecdotes of his time in both HMP Wandsworth and open prison HMP Ford. Hi, Chris. Hi, Maddie. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I, I'm a bit tired because I, I, my bed was invaded, not not by beautiful women, I hasten to add, but by uh, an eight-year-old boy who's really tall. So it's like I have like a small man in my bed and a dog who keep jumping oh. in my bed in the night. So that's why I'm a little bit tired, but I'm charged up with coffee and raring to go. Oh, bless you. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I am honestly super stoked and a little bit starstruck to have you on here. So um, let's get stuck into our speed date question round, mm. which is so everyone listening can get a little bit more um, of an idea about you. So since leaving prison, you've released your book alongside a podcast about your time in there. So what else is keeping you busy at the moment? Um, well, I, I co-parent um, my boy, uh, mm-hmm. so that kept me quite busy. And also during lockdown, there was sort of homeschooling mm-hmm. um, and, and that sort of fills, fills, fills the day. But I, I also... I've spent 10 years making a documentary film about a band called the KLF, which some people may know about. They're quite famous for burning lots of money. Okay. Um, and I'm sort of finishing that. And I'm also writing a sort of drama comedy fiction series for television Ooh. about prison. 
as well. So I'm doing that as well. So I'm, yeah, I've been oh, pretty busy. I cannot wait to watch that. Looking forward to it. I saw that you did a, a review of that show Time that's on mm. TV at the moment. And could you tell our listeners, was, was it accurate? Was it anything like being in prison? Uh, th- this is the th- thing with Sean Bean uh, and Stephen mm. Grant, which I thought was absolutely great. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's made by Jimmy McGovern, who does very kind of dark, serious subjects. Very it's powerful, very serious. Very it was a serious. heavy watch. It was a heavy watch. <laughs> There weren't yeah. many laughs, and in a sense, so it was it was authentic in that it showed a lot of the problems that prisons are facing, which mm-hmm. is overcrowding, not enough officers, too many mental health problems, violence, mm-hmm. that kind of drugs, obviously that kind of stuff. But it didn't, and we'll talk about this a bit later. I hope it didn't actually mm-hmm. look at what I always saw as the quite entertaining side of prison life, and because prisons are very very darkly farcical places, because they're full of people who who don't really want to be there and it's run by people who haven't clear what they're doing and that just yeah. in- inherently produces comedy I can imagine I-, I think you have to have a pretty dark sense of humour but you've got to sort of look on that bright side I guess yeah, if that's yeah. the only thing that's kind of you know something getting you through with the time ticking over so you mentioned lockdown before and homeschooling so mm. what would you say to people comparing lockdown to serving time in prison and how did COVID and lockdown and 2019 feel for you? It, 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 it's got some big similarities and big differences. Um, it didn't bother me at all when people said, oh my God, I'm stuck in my own prison. In fact, I mm-hmm. kind of welcomed people thinking and talking about that because it yeah. made people think about what it's like being in a real prison. It was mm-hmm. sort of like a cosplaying prison maybe for people. Um, bougie prison. Bougie prison because you get to hang out with your family in yeah. lockdown and you don't in prison and you get nice coffee in lockdown. <laughs> you get wine in lockdown. You don't get that in prison. So, yeah. you know, there's big differences. But, you know, having the state say to you, you can't leave this place and you're trapped here and you're staring mm. at four walls and you need to fill the day is is a big similarity and I welcomed people making the comparison because it made people think about prison when they hadn't thought about prison before and I think people yeah. should think about prison because it's a big subject that affects everyone. Yeah, definitely. And do you know what I really loved, I mean, about lockdown? I mean, <laughs> there's not really much <laughs> to on. love about it, but I think um, I really loved how people sort of came together and realised the benefit that art, music, you know, all of those things that entertain people, what they actually bring to us because the arts industry suffered a lot and obviously you work in in film and documentary and mm. you're a writer and everything. I think if people were to realise all of those things being taken away from them, Mm. we would have had absolutely nothing to do. So, yeah, when people started sort of rallying for the arts, I was like, fuck yeah, like, come on. Yeah, no, they need all the help they can get, definitely. Yeah, 100%. So what is something you found yourself missing in prison that you didn't think that you would? That's an interesting question. I'll flip that over, which is Mm -hmm. very, very little, oddly. Obviously, when I first went away, booze and fags, clearly, women and being able to go outside stuff like that um but actually over time it's incredible what the human body and mind can adapt to Mm. as long as you're doing it consistently so the fact that I was never allowed out kind of made adaptation a lot easier because I quickly just forgot what it was like to go out and you know, in my mind, I could rationally think about it, but it wasn't something like every day I woke up going, oh my God, I'm stuck here. This is terrible. Yeah, I yeah. Sp- you know, I spent the first month craving good coffee and good wine, but then after a while, I stopped wanting booze, which is great because I didn't drink for mm-hmm. ages. And and I got used to instant, I go on about coffee a lot, but I got used to instant coffee, <laughs> which I never thought I would. And I, then after a while, I just couldn't taste, taste the difference. So you you 
don't really miss much after a few months, except your family. Like my son, who was very young when I went away, and I missed him mm-hmm. horribly every day. But apart from that, everything else I just kind of forgot about, really. Yeah, I suppose it, you can sort of see the parallels with lockdown at how quickly everyone adjusted. I mean, it's only been a year, but now everyone's sort of getting used to working at home every day. I mean, an idea of a five-day working week for me is an oh absolute nightmare now. I don't know how to go back Nobody to Nobody wants that. to go. No, I mean, it, it's <laughs> not like we're all going out every single night. Now we're yeah. suddenly allowed to. It's like, oh, yeah. just much fun to sit at home, drink wine and watch Netflix. So Honestly. <laughs> no, you do – You. You do adapt. I think I think the body does that to protect you because otherwise you just go mad with what you're missing. It is a testament to what the human body can go through, I suppose. My next question is, what is the biggest lesson you learnt while in prison? That good people can do bad things. Ooh, there you go. I do Don't love that. That's a bit that. profound for you there. but No, um, I loved it. I think that was the, the biggest lesson that I learnt from the book. I think you just have this idea of prisoners being, you know, the stereotypical whatever you think they are in your head. But Romans, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think, um, yeah, there's just so, there's so much interesting stuff in your book about just the kind of people you meet and the small good deeds that they can do that can mm. sort of change somebody's yeah. life. And and you became a listener in prison, which is, and correct me if I've got this wrong, but it's someone that the Samaritan trains in prison to speak to other um, prisoners who are struggling. Yeah. And I think, yeah, there's just something so amazing about that whole service being put together. And can you tell me more about what you learned from that experience? Oh, God. I mean, that was extraordinarily humbling. And it's definitely, I think, yeah. the most sort of important, worthwhile thing I did. It's, it, mm. it's a funny thing. Prisons are such odd places because mm-hmm. it, it, it's the kind of place where small acts of kindness can go far further than they would yeah. out in the real world. Um, and so just by, as I said, we were listeners, so we were basically like the Samaritans, but you did it in person. It wasn't over the phone. You'd actually get locked in a room with these people. A lot of them yeah. were very, very severely mentally ill. Mm. So it got quite lively at times, but you, you were sort of, you were their only friend really who's going to listen to their problems and hopefully make them less likely to kill themselves or Mm self-harm and you were dealing with the most sort of unhinged and damaged and vulnerable people in in the prison and the kind of people who I'd previously kind of written off as human beings really because they were sort Mm. of running around the place screaming and causing trouble when you actually Mm -hmm. sat down and listened to them you just thought oh my god they're actually just really really unwell and nobody's taking any care of them they've kind of been forgotten about so it, it made you just really understand that, you know, just because somebody's done something wrong, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily a bad person who deserves to be punished beyond measure. There's often reasons that people have done the things they've done and have ended up in a place like that. And, and quite often, not for me, I'll put my hands up, I did what I did and it was wrong and I knew it was wrong at the mm-hmm. time. But for lots of people, it's not like that. They've just been forgotten about by society And that's just the inevitable home for them at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, especially people in power in this country at the moment, have this mentality that it's kind of like lock them up, throw away the key, who Mm. cares, they've done the wrong thing and they deserve it X, Y, Z, when really it is everyone's issue because when they eventually do get out and they haven't been properly rehabilitated or they've still got mental health issues, Mm. it becomes everyone's problem again. And Because they re-offend so quickly. You're absolutely right. They re-offend straight away and that creates more victims of crime. Exactly. So I think just having empathy and compassion for like for people rather than just sort of turning a blind eye, as you Absolutely. discuss in the book so much, is just so key. But yeah, my last question is, what are you most grateful for? Oh, God. I mean, so I, deep, I, I, I come it? back to my son. I don't want to sound corny, but I just, I just come back to my son. I mean, you know, he's in the next room and, and no matter like what life throws at you, you just go, oh, I'm still with my son. He's still with me. 
that's all that really matters. And it doesn't matter if I get this film deal. It doesn't matter if my book doesn't sell well. It doesn't matter mm. if if this girl doesn't message me back on a date or whatever, after a date. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. actually, there are, there are things more important in life than that, and I've got them, so be thankful for that. So I know that sounds really corny, but that is no, genuinely... No, it's okay. I feel, um, like I, I feel like I know so much about you already. I knew you would have said that because I've read the book. I'm such a stalker. But, um, that's okay. <laughs> so thank you so much for um, answering all of those questions. That was really, really interesting. I was wondering for our story time section, I know you probably have about 5,000 of these stories, but I wanted, to, I wanted to know your funniest prison story. Is there one that you tell at dinner parties? Is there one that you just whip out and that's the funniest thing that's happened I'll do, to you? I'll, tell you I'll, I'll, I'll cheat here. I'll, I'll, I'll do okay. three small ones. Oh, good. Just okay, we love this. <laughs> they're like my go-to yep. prison gags. And it's also, I always use these because when people people kind of shake their heads when I say, oh, prison, it was, it was the funniest place I've ever been. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had a cellmate who I got on really well with, Martin, mm. and and I, we, we're still mates and we still chat. Mm-hmm. And he always says to me, you know, he, he laughed. More. We shared a cell for about two months. And he said, well, he laughed more in those two months in a cell with me than he has at any other point in his whole life. Yeah. Um, we were just laughing constantly. And it was because <laughs> this, it was so deranged. It, it was like yeah. um, dystopian Faulty Towers. I don't know, maybe you won't know Faulty Towers. But it's yeah. <laughs> classic British farce, basically. Um, anyway, so, so, and people say, how do you, what do you mean prisons can't be funny? I'll say, well, okay, there was, um, there's a lot of Muslims on my wing. There's a lot of Muslims mm-hmm. in a lot of prisons. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, always got on very well with them but they they would be they would always end up in Alcoholics Anonymous all the Muslims on my wing would go to AA <laughs> which you'd think is a bit crazy because Muslims there's one thing about Muslims they're teetotal and they don't drink yeah but, but because people were locked in their cells for a huge amount of the day people would do anything to get out their cell just so something these to do guys, just something to do so these guys all joined AA so they could all hang out together with their other Muslim mates but AA was always full of Muslims and they'd always get these badges going three months sober it's like what do you mean they're like 30 years sober they're never drunk <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, I love that. Do you know what? I saw this documentary. I don't know where I've seen it, but it's a clip of these guys in Australia in like a really small town. They're just driving up and down the street doing manies, which is when you drive up and down the main road. And the, mm. the documentary maker is like, why do you do that? And they're just like, just something to do, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like yeah. they just have nothing else to do. And it's There's just, a lot of that I, in prison. It's so profound. It's like just something to do, you know? Like if you find yourself doing something, it's just something to do, eh? Just something to do, eh? Um, <laughs> well, there's more of that. Um, yeah. But there was a guy on my landing who I won't name, but he was notoriously sexist, racist, homophobic, mm-hmm. transphobic, you name it. He was against it. So so they made him uh, equalities rep. They made him in charge <laughs> of equalities. No. Why? Well, because that's the that's the prison system there was. We had these jobs. We all got allocated these jobs. There was no thought given to who got what job. Um, and and my, my my other favorite is is because it speaks to the fact that prison was always trying to do these really weird things to rehabilitate people. You couldn't get mm-hmm. loo roll and phone calls half the time. But you could do all these like weird courses. Yeah. So the governor introduced a course called tunneling, and. In, <laughs> You can see where this is going. And it's sold out. Yeah. Everyone was queuing around the block to, to, to join this course called Tunneling because they thought they'd be digging tunnels. But it was actually yeah. a course on mindfulness. It was a, so people weren't <laughs> going to dig anything. They were going to learn to control their breathing. Dig and put a poster in front of the hole in their cell. Exactly, exactly <laughs> like in Shawshank. So those are my three. Oh those my are my God. three prison gag stories. They're great. Do you whip them out on first dates? I mean, you any, have to. Any, any excuse, <laughs> I will give you those gags. 
Oh my God, I love it. So your book focused a lot on your time at HMP Wandsworth. So I thought in this podcast, we could focus on your time at HMP Ford, which is an open prison and it's quite a lot more liberal, you were telling Mm -hmm. me in terms of sex and relationships. So tell me about visitation at open prison. What was this like for people and how did it work? Well, this was one of the main reasons that people would sell their right arms to uh, (laughs) to get to open prison because Wandsworth Mm. is what we call a closed prison. It's kind of prison you imagine from watching the teledramas or the news. Mm-hmm. So lots of cells locked up by angry guards and, you know, huge wire fences and all, all the rest of it. Open prison mm-hmm. isn't like that. Open prison is kind of like it's it's like a rehabilitation gateway to the community. So the whole okay. point is, is people go there if they're very low risk, like I was, or if they're people coming to the end of very long sentences and they haven't been out in the world for 20 years. You've got to kind of You've got to break them into the real world gently. So the whole point of an open prison is is exactly that. There's no locks. You can come and go as you please. If you want to walk out the gate, you can. I mean, you get arrested shortly afterwards. But the <laughs> idea is you can start going out into the community to study or to do community work or mm-hmm. to do jobs and things like that. So it's kind of like a sort of resettlement establishment okay. rather than if you, if you look at it, it doesn't look like a prison it's just a, like like shit butlins we say it looks like a really rubbish holiday <laughs> shit camp. that's what it looks like and ford is right by the sea as well so there's it does have this weird oh, seaside feel to it it sounds lush you know i might have to book a trip oh mate after nine months in wandsworth it was <laughs> paradise um, i can imagine so uh so it, it, it's a very very it's a deliberately more relaxed environment and look mm. if people muck about if people take drugs and have phones there, which some did, they catch you, they send you right back to proper prison again. So it's, it's sort of a carrot and stick thing. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, one of the main advantages of going to open prison was the visits are completely mm-hmm. different. So at closed prison, it's like lot, you've got to sit at your table, you can't stand up, you've got mm-hmm. to wear these horrible bibs, officers are marching around going, no holding hands and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, At open prison, it's like a shabby airport lounge with two officers sat reading a newspaper while everyone kind of gets on with it you can get and run around with your kids you can go and buy a coffee Mm -hmm. you know there's more physical contact so I wasn't in a relationship when I went to prison which in a way Mm -hmm. made life a lot easier because that was just one extra thing I didn't have to worry about um but there were obviously lots of guys there who were in relationships with wives and girlfriends so Mm -hmm. open prison basically gave them opportunity for a lot more physical contact a lot more romantic involvement shall we say yeah so how did long-term relationships work for prisoners with partners on the outside then well quite often they didn't quite often you know that within those first few weeks it was oh i'll love you forever i'll love you forever and then mm. the phone calls slow down the letters stop then she doesn't turn up to visit and then oh, they get sad. the dear john letter saying sorry i've shacked up with your best mate yeah. um, <laughs> so there was quite a lot of that in some mm. cases it solved the relationship problems you know it's the fact that he went away the woman suddenly's like oh thank god he's out of the house <laughs> And, and 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 it made difficult relationships get fixed. Yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder, completely, doesn't it? Completely, yeah. completely. Mm. Um, and and what would often happen is they get out, and within a couple of months, they split up because they remember what they're like together. <laughs> they're back twenty four seven. Exactly, and they don't get on. So mm. there was there was quite a bit of that. Now, open prison was kind of a way to to solve things, really, mm. because you know you'd have these much more liberal visits, and and I only did the visits in the daytime because. My visits were almost all with my son. Yeah. But there was a visit, oh, there was a visiting slot on Wednesday evenings, which was known colloquially as date night. Oh, because oh that's where, it's, it's so gross. But that's when the wives and girlfriends would come. And also the problem was is that if you if if people got a bit frisky during mm. the daytime visits and there's lots of kids around. It's a bit weird. 
it's a win the dads would get very upset and it would lead to fights because it was basically like i don't want you fingering your wife in front of my daughter (laughs) basically yeah and people would get punched for this so a kind of an equilibrium was was maintained by day day visits were for families Mm -hmm. i mean a little bit of a kiss and a cuddle who cares yeah but 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 the real kind of more x-rated stuff would happen on the wednesday evening and the basic idea was just don't bring your kids to that and that was the word like don't bring your kids to date night now i did date night once because my mate had actually flown over and he was mm-hmm. getting a late plane back. So I said, oh, well, and I really wanted to see date night. <laughs> I heard so much about it. You brought him to prison date night. <laughs> so we did. And we sat, I don't think we spoke very much through the whole visit. We were sort of jaws on the floor while people watching. were. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. It was something else. Oh, my God. Um, so what? Could people have sex in prison? That's well, what I, we need to know. What's I going never on saw quite that happen, but okay. I'd say a good two, two, two to three base. Not quite four, but not far off. It's a bit like Love Island, you know. They're all in the same room. They're all, you know. all just copping off. It was like the school disco where everyone, <laughs> no one cares about privacy, you know. They've, yeah. they've got a limited window before their dad picks them up oh and my takes God. them home. So they're, they're going to get their money's worth. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So, so yeah, it was it was oh, pretty X-rated. That is so funny. So, um, just talking about HMP Wandsworth again, mm. could you have sex in? Because that is that maximum security. It's pretty high. It's not yeah. quite quite the max, but it's, yeah. it's it's one below max. So, could you ha- people have sex in there, or could they organise no! like conjugal visits? No! no, 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 nothing. I mean, holding hands was out. Well, because the problem was a lot of drugs get handed get, come into the prison through mm. visits. Oh, so yeah. what would happen is. People would kiss and they would pass over a package in their mouth. They would oh. have it down. The women would have it in their knickers and they'd whip it out and give it to them in their <laughs> hands and stuff. So there was a hug at the start and a hug at the end. And that was But it. there wasn't really. Now, they were great with kids, actually, in Wandsworth. They let, because I didn't care, because I, I, yeah. I didn't want drugs. I just wanted to see my son. And they would let, if you're well-behaved, they'd let your kids sit on your lap. So oh, Kit would nice. sit on my lap. God, people are resourceful, aren't they? Yeah, like, yeah. In the knickers, in the mouth. I mean, exactly. you got to hand it to people. We come up with some good stuff. It oh, yeah, r- yeah, reminds yeah. Reminds me the- of, you know, sneaking into a festival and trying to get alcohol in or something. And no, the exactly. shit you come up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the capacity that people have. I mean, someone's like, oh, I've got this up. So, so they'd show me their drug package. I was like, that went up your bum? Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> That's huge. What? Jesus. What would you get to put it in there? So, um, so there was all that going on. So that meant that even holding hands was a problem. The only Time, I'll tell you what, someone I know did have sex in, in prison. And he mm-hmm. um, it was when we were qualified to be listeners. Because mm-hmm. uh, you had to do this month's training and then you had to kind of do all this um, like uh, observation and sit with an experienced listener. It was really full on, the listener training. Mm-hmm. They took it really seriously in Wandsworth. Um, and it meant that once we were kind of qualified and we were allowed to go out and do listening on our own, all the trainee listeners who had passed the grade, we were allowed this, this graduation ceremony. <laughs> I know it's so surreal, isn't it? I never Weird. thought I'd go to graduation <laughs> ceremony in prison. And also, the, the surreal thing was, is I'd, I'd actually missed my own graduation ceremony years and years before because I was pissed basically when <laughs> well, I was like uni. a student in uni. Yeah, I missed my own graduation, um, oh, wow. and so this was like a way I could finally go to my graduation. <laughs> and you said you're in prison. It's a bit yeah, yeah, except like, in prison. <laughs> it took me going to prison to turn up. But they, the governor came and gave everyone. Um, certificates it's so cheesy but, but the, the <laughs> point was is you got an extra visit so that it was like a perk yeah so I got um I got my ex to come and mm-hmm. my best friend to come mm-hmm. and they just because they just wanted to sort of see what it was all about I mean you'd love to go I'm just so curious to just sit, check it all out you know yeah no because normally yeah. they'd only seen the visits hall but the graduation ceremony was in the chapel which is in the center of the prison so they got to look, walk mm-hmm. through the prison escorted so I said look this is going to be a, a real eye-opener for you mm-hmm. um 
And then at one point, someone did this impromptu speech, which he wasn't supposed to. He went up to shake the hand of the governor and he turned around to the mic and just started giving this speech about how wonderful it was being a listener. Mm. And the officers were going to kind of come and grab him. And they said, no, you can't grab him. He's like bigging up the listener course. But there was this bit of kind of to do about it. And he finished mm. his speech and went down. And it, I didn't find out till later. That was all a distraction because when he <gasps> did that, one of the guys went to the loo because it was in the chapel. It was in the prison chapel. Yeah. And then his missus went to the loo. <laughs> and he'd been away a year, so it didn't take long, put it this way. And oh they both came God. out flushed. Oh, my God. That is such a ruse. And they were, they were supposed to not talk about it. Of course, he told everyone about it. Like the next day, the entire prison knew about this. And it was like, oh, my Famous. God, you've got a shag in Wandsworth. And like the next day, like the, the applications for listeners was just like through the roof. Like half the prison wants to be a listener after that. That is yeah, diabolical. Yeah. Props to this guy though. making up a fake speech on the spot to, so his friend can get laid. <laughs> they still talk about this in Wandsworth, like five years later. He's famous. He's famous, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So you spoke to me about prisoners putting in a lot of effort before their mm. partners would visit. So can you tell me what this was like? So, yeah, this was more obvious in open prison because in open mm. prison you've got so much more access to stuff mm-hmm. uh, and that meant that on my heart... You just knew when it was date night coming up because of Mm -hmm. the smell and it was aftershave. And I didn't think (laughs) people bought aftershave anymore. Maybe it shows I'm this middle-class liberal guy. I don't know. I just thought aftershave went out in the 80s. Okay, but no, that's prisons keeping the market going because it was just, oh, God, but the stench of it. I was like gagging as I walked past people's rooms. They were dousing themselves in it. I was like, dude, she's come all the way to see you. You're going to get a handjob. Don't worry. You know, don't, <laughs> lashing yourself with Old Spice isn't going to help. But he would. They would all do this. And they would iron their tracksuits. And I again thought at the point of having a tracksuit, you don't need to iron it. But they would iron, iron their, their tracksuits. Track so sweet. But then the big thing was going to the gym. So the gym session before date night was massively oversubscribed. And there'd be fights. People, if people didn't get in, there'd be punch-ups because they'd want to go and really work out so their muscles were all bulging. So they'd look ripped for date they'd night. they look ripped. Oh, my God. It's like Jersey Shore, Jim no, Tan really laundry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was just such a sight. It was it was like we'd sort of sit and drink our tea and watch all this unfold in front of us. It, was it sounds chaotic. I love it. The only thing I can compare it to is like going out in Dalston late at night and there's just like random crackheads walking around. There's just people yelling at you. It just yeah. like you just look around and you're kind of like, is this real? Like, is yeah. this really happening? <laughs> You imagine just, living there. Yeah, <laughs> imagine like, living in no, that world. Always. It's just like, yeah, a sight to behold. People watching is a really fun sport yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And what about prisoner and guard relationships? Well, you can get this from Mail Online. It's, it's their kind of favourite story, really. But there's an awful lot of relationships between female officers and male prisoners. Was there? Like a staggering amount, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? And what? They, would they be able to have sex? No, they're not allowed to. But would they? But they, they? Would. would. And they? then what would then happen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just go to Mail Online and just Google. I mean, it, 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 there's just story after story after story of this. Because they get busted because they end up bringing in drugs for them. Oh, They end really? up being besotted with these characters and yeah. then uh, and then and then bringing stuff in for them and then getting caught and and then the the, the not only do they lose their job but the woman goes to prison she'll oh get God. like a year and it's not very nice being inside as a prison officer they don't like you very much oh yeah you'd have um, to get put in like a special area or absolutely. something absolutely you got to put it you get put in with the pedophiles uh, oh my God. Uh, just cuz it's the only way that they can protect them so it's um it's it's really 
really common. And there was one thing, this didn't happen in Wandsworth, but it happened. I mean, it's terrible laughing about this, but it's darkly funny. It happened um, in another prison. Mm. And I mean, she got caught for this, but she smuggled out his semen so that she could go home and impregnate herself. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. In like a turkey-based situation. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, no. I know. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That is so dark. Um, so were prisoners ever allowed out on leave? And what was this like? Can you tell me about um, how that sort of worked? Absolutely. So if you behaved open prison, the whole point is, is you're allowed to go out of the prison. There's not really much in an open prison, but the whole advantage of being there is with certain restrictions, you are allowed out for sort of short amounts of time. Mm-hmm. Now, it's either to work um, or study, which what I did. I went and studied at a nearby university and got, got mm-hmm. a degree. Love that. What was the degree? It was in psychology, actually. Um, But you were also uh, given family trips. Um, And initially, they're just for a few hours. You get what we call day release. But then if you were behaved and you're getting towards the end of your sentence, then you'd be allowed out on overnights. Mm -hmm. Um, So you'd be allowed out for... I, I, I got it great. I was allowed out for five days at a time. So it's five days and four nights. You're allowed to do that mm-hmm. every month. Amazing. With certain restrictions. Like you can only go to a certain address and it's all about reestablishing family ties. It's mm-hmm. You can't just do it and go out with your mates. Though I know a lot of people who did. I know one guy who said he's going to be with his mum. He went to Malta. Okay. He went no, on he holiday didn't. to Malta <laughs> and came back really tanned. And the officers <laughs> didn't go, why are you like 10 shades 
brown. Oh it's supposed to be in Dagenham. Why you, why you got this sometime? Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, people did sort of bend the rules a bit. But it, what would often happen is the idea of it is sound because people mm. who have strong family ties and have a family to go back to uh, are much less likely to reoffend than if people are just out on the streets. So the idea is, is they can rebuild family ties and quite often it would mean shagging the missus and the missus what was often an interesting deal that would happen is the 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 girlfriend or wife would say i'm going to stick by you but i'm getting pregnant for the first available opportunity (laughs) what does that mean with them with someone else no with them like i will stay with you but you are knocking me up the second you get the chance you need to get me pregnant oh my god so sometimes it would be when they went out on day release and you know Mm -hmm. talk about day release but um the, uh, uh, but often it was on the overnights as well. So we would call them home leave babies because they would <laughs> they would leave prison and their wife would be eight months pregnant. They'd pick them up pregnant. And you're like, how does she get pregnant? <laughs> how has oh, this happened? Home leave baby. So, and I know yeah. lots of kids now who are home leave babies because of my mates have sort of gone through this. So it's quite a common thing. I mean, again, you've got to hand it to people's resourcefulness, right? Oh, God, any, yeah. any opportunity to get knocked up. One guy did in knock, knocked his girlfriend up when he got moved between prisons. How? He was being Move from one prison to another. Well, they, he he convinced the prison to let his missus drive him, and they were given like an hour, and it was like an hour between the prisons. And he was like, "Pull over, hard shoulder, <laughs> in 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 the Land Rover." Didn't you know they, they didn't mess about? They did not waste any time. It would None not whatsoever. take long either after yeah. spending time in prison. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god! Um, you mentioned a story of a prisoner breaking out of prison oh, after God's a cheating experience. So please, will you tell us more about this? I mean, you can read about this in the Sun newspaper. Um, and uh, <laughs> My favourite newspaper. Oh, it's where all the best prison <laughs> sex stories are, I tell you. Of course. Um, but uh, he, he called home mm-hmm. and a guy answered. <gasps> it's oh. classic drama, isn't it? Oh, This has to go on your TV show. This has to be written in. Oh, my God. It was so priceless. And he, <laughs> he called home and it's a guy answered and he's obviously the prisoner went absolutely nuts and he said you know what are you doing he said well what do you think i'm doing i'm shagging your missus and he went you you shag her you're dead and and the the guy the interloper said the famous last words which is what are you going to do about it you're in prison you mug so the prisoner hung up called his mate now bear in mind we were this is when i was at spring hill which is in oxfordshire and this incident and the the girlfriend was in (laughs) southeast london okay yeah so he waited until after roll checks. We get counted at midnight and we're counted again at eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you've got this window. And again, it's an open prison. Eight hours. Just a f- yeah, you've got eight hours. So there's a fence. Yeah. There's, you just, just climb over the fence. As long as the, the officers who are mostly <laughs> overweight yeah. d- don't do many patrols, they just go and sleep in the office. So it was yeah. quite easy to get out and come back. People used to do this all the time. It's like oh, yeah. school, you know, people sort of go, you know, bunk out and stuff. So yeah. he, he called his mate who turned up on a motorbike outside the prison. <laughs> He, he climbed the prison gate, which isn't, it's like waist high. It's not hard. Got on the back of the motorbike, rode down to London, <gasps> went to his girlfriend's address, rang on the doorbell. The interloper <gasps> opened, punched his lights out, knocked eight bells of shit on him. So that's what I'm going to do about it. Got on the motorbike, rode back to the prison. Oh, my God. Snuck back in. Yes. Went down to roll check and signed his name. <laughs> And about three hours later, the police turned up and arrested him because he did it. They're not smart guys. He did it in front of CCTV and the interloper identified him and said, Well, I mean, he would have definitely known who it is. Obviously. (laughs) And they go, oh, he's in prison. Let's go and arrest him. And he got bundled back to. What a romantic story. This has to go go into your show, your drama comedy about prison. That's amazing. Um, So I think if you look in the sun, it, it was definitely reported about in the sun at the time. 
Stunning. I love that story so much. <laughs> I don't know if they got back together, by the way. That's sorry. That's the obvious question. <laughs> I mean, you know what? The climax was him beating the guy up. It's know, not about the woman, is it? No. <laughs> so were there some prisoners that had been in prison for so long that they'd never used things like Tinder or dating apps? Oh, loads of them. When I was in Spring Hill, there's a guy on my landing who got released mm. and and this is quite serious he was obviously in for murder he'd been away for about 18 years or something wow and he said oh he remembered when he went away because 9-11 had just happened oh my and he God. still had in his room he had a mini disc I don't know if you're old enough to remember what mini yeah, discs are like a discman, like a walkman yeah yeah there's some quite yeah. old technology and he had this huge stack of mini discs in his room and he was taking them all out with him and I was like dude no one even has this, no one has CDs anymore it's all <laughs> Spotify you know so get 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 with it so yeah Exactly. So it wasn't just even dating apps. They haven't used mobile phones, half of them. Wow. So the idea that going out into this kind of brave new world was kind of quite terrifying for them, but they they, yeah. <laughs> they soon adapt, I guess. It's like a time machine. Completely, completely. That is insane. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, how did they adjust to like, you know, I mean, adjust to life after that and dating women and stuff? It would be a totally different world. I guess that would be mentally so challenging. It is. But, the, you know, it's amazing, you know, the obstacles a horny prisoner can overcome. Let's put it yeah. this way. So they were soon – there were initially kind of bewildered by it then they kind of accepted it and soon mm. they kind of dived into it kind of head first really i mean look i mean i'll be totally honest with you a lot of them would go out and start paying sex workers that was yeah, kind of sure. that was quite a common uh, quite a common thing i think you mentioned in the book that there was like a brothel that was near the prison Ford. That- yeah 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 for discounts. They for give discounts. discounts. Yeah, 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 yeah. So did prisoners sort of forget how to speak to women after their experience in prison or did you have any experience of that? I mean, you were away for, I, I think, was it nine months in total? I'm I was such nine a months in Wandsworth and then I went to open prison and yeah. then quite quickly I started going out. So I, I didn't... Yeah. It was weird when I, I'll be honest with you, when I first went to Oxford Brooks and I was, which is the university where I, I did my degree... It was odd going in. I think I'd been 15 months mm. locked up, essentially, at that point. And then I was sort of like, you know, there was a little <laughs> bit of tongue tiredness. But it was also odd because I was a mature student and mm. everyone else on my course was 19 or 20. And I yeah. was... 43 or something so that was just (laughs) odd like young people talk a whole different language anyway so that was that's strange and then but as I said you just adapt you just adapt and after a while I was I was completely fine the problem was there were some guys who had been locked up at quite a young age Mm. um, and they'd been involved in gangs where there's obviously this very kind of toxic masculine atmosphere very Mm -hmm. misogynistic very sexist yeah and that's how they'd kind of grown up and then they'd been in these gangs and then they'd been sent away, sometimes when they're 16 or 17. Yeah. And then their role models and everything switch from being gang leaders outside prison to gang leaders inside prison. Oh, God, so yeah. The, 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 and the only re- sort of relationships they have with, are with officers and there's female officers who, mm-hmm. you know, they're sort of trying to catcall and say nasty things to and stuff. So yeah. that, that kind of becomes part of the culture and they just – don't really know how to say, oh, hello, my name's Chris. Would you like yeah. to go for a drink or something like that? So there was one particular issue when I was at open prison mm-hmm. where there was a group of guys who, again, they'd been let out of the community to do some work in a theatre workshop. Mm-hmm. And that was in the local town. It was in Bistro, I think. And so mm-hmm. they were going out each day to this church hall to devise this theatre show about being in prison and stuff and it was all really gritty and powerful and everything but they would go to the corner shop next door to sort of buy tobacco and sweets and whatnot yeah and then when there was a woman who was serving there and they were basically walking up to her and saying oh can we have sex now please and oh i'm a gangster i've you know i've killed someone by the way do you want to buy can i give you drugs and stuff thinking this is how you 
chat women up. Yeah, or interact with anyone because they exactly. wouldn't that, know any were different. Absolutely yeah. horrified and appalled and called the police and they all got whisked off and bounced off to a closed prison straight away. It's just sad because they're going in there as kids and this is yeah. just what they believe is normal behavior. Completely. Yeah, completely. So that was a bit of an issue. I can totally imagine, yeah. So in terms of like dating post-prison, do you are you completely honest with your experiences with anyone that you've sort of, you know, going out with? Like are, are most prisoners honest about all of that sort of thing or is it a bit like you kind of reluctant to tell people? So when people leave prison, there's a stigma really around just the fact that somebody's been inside. Yeah. And I think... It doesn't play well in online dating because I think that's an understandable concern that a lot of women yeah. have that he's going to murder me, which is understandable because things like Sarah Everard happen and women do get killed and are beaten up by strangers mm-hmm. and it's there's a lot of sexual violence out there and it's, it's mm-hmm. an understandable concern. So I think the fact that someone's like, oh, and I've done this time in prison is like an immediate red fra- flag. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know anything else about them, you just see that thing like I've spent four years in this prison or whatever. It's like an immediate reason to sort of sack them off. Yeah. So uh, uh, though on the flip side, dare I say, there are certain <laughs> women who really like that sort of thing. So, you know, I don't, I don't know the two kind of balance out. But um, so it's, 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 it's one of those things. But with me, it's a little bit different. I think because I've written the book and mm-hmm. because – in a way, I don't really have much choice because it was so, A, what happened to me is quite publicised at the time, and B, yep. I spent the last year mouthing off about it to anyone who'll listen to try yeah. and promote my book and try and argue for more um, progressive criminal justice conditions. But mm-hmm. so in a sense with me, it's like it, everyone sort of knows about it. Yeah. And also I do think there is an element as well with what the crime is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying my crime is better than anyone else's or anything like that. But, you know, I was done for a nonviolent financial crime. And I was also helping someone rip off the government. I didn't rip off little old ladies and stuff like that. And I'm not saying yeah. that therefore makes me a better <laughs> bet. Yeah. But one girl did say to me, did you rip off any people? I went, no. She said, did you rip off the government? I said, yeah. She went, oh, that's fine. I fucking hate the government. <laughs> let's, let's go on a date. And I was like, okay. So it, Take it, me it, now. It, yeah, I was I'm quite that. But... um. But so it, for, for me, it's not been a, a, a sort of issue, or maybe it has been by people who don't want to mm. go on a date with me, but I've, I've, I've managed to do okay um, following, uh, following the whole experience. Um, and some people, you know, if they've killed someone or if it's a sexual crime or if they've beaten someone up, I yeah. think I, I, they can't kind of laugh about it in the way I kind of can sort of. Yeah. With what I did. Yeah, you did speak about in the book um, the white-collar prisoners and sort of having, like, the nicer prison cells and stuff <laughs> because you were all open to doing the jobs and, you know, becoming listeners yeah, yeah, and all that yeah. kind of thing. So I guess it's kind of, yeah, a weird hierarchy in prison that um, totally. you spoke about in the book that was really interesting. We get an easier time as people do. Mm. I mean, it's a terrible thing to say, but the inequalities that exist in the outside world are kind of magnified in prison. Yeah. I talk about that a lot in the book, that, yeah, mm. we got nicer cells and nicer jobs and the officers kind of trusted us because we were mm-hmm. all – nice middle-class people and we weren't mm-hmm. 19 from a gang you know so um but look you know I, I I'm in touch with lots of people who've left prison and by and large they seem to do okay like I speak to them and they're like oh here's my new girlfriend or whatever so they, it's it, it they're, they're managing yeah um and one guy I know he showed me his dating profile and he was just so upfront about it it was yeah. like in his bio you know <laughs> that he had done this 
And I mean, and I it like, filters out the people that don't want to be there. From well, the no, exactly. And he, then he said, I said, what is it? He goes, mate, I'm off the chart with pings here. <laughs> um, you know, so. Girls love a bad boy, don't they? Well, I think, I, you know, maybe there's the whole thing. I mean, you know, with Jeremy Meeks, the hot felon, maybe there's a kind of, mm. there's an aspect of that. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't want to speak to the women. And obviously they probably have wider sort of interest than I just mm. want someone who's been to prison. But it isn't <laughs> it isn't wholly a negative, let's put it this way. You said something in the book about like the removal of people's freedom and liberty is the punishment enough, but then subjecting them mm. to sort of inhumane treatment and just the loss of basic human rights like running water and, and clothing yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, can you tell me just a quickly as like a final note, what what would you say on that? It's this whole thing if you go to prison as punishment, not for punishment. And yeah. by that I mean you're taking away somebody's liberty, which is really a, a massive, massive thing mm-hmm. that seems to get slightly forgotten about is, you know, you could have said to me, you can only see your son twice a month for an hour yeah, and lock me in a rubbish holiday inn. And it would have been almost as bad. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that separation from your family. And I didn't even have a wife or a girlfriend when I went away. So I, I that, and it's even worse when that happens. Yeah. So to be, to have that separation is, is, is horrendous. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. I think it should happen. You need prison as the ultimate punishment mm-hmm. for serious crimes. And I, I'm never going to argue with that. But it's the idea that you can take that liberty away as the punishment and then go, right, well, now your liberty's away. You can't have hot showers you can't have Lee roll you're stuck mm-hmm. in the cell 23 hours a day mm-hmm. you're at risk from violence all the time and mm-hmm. all of this stuff like on top this extra extra punishment sadistic stuff on top mm-hmm. the judge doesn't sentence people to that he just says we're going to deprive you of your liberty in a humane way mm-hmm. what happens is they go to very inhumane establishments mm. what happens is people walk out that prison hating the system i know several people who did this they walk out hating the government the state so much mm. they're like right now i'm going to really offend yeah. And they go out and commit far worse crimes yeah, than they did first time yeah, round. Yeah. And it's like, how, who's that helping? It, whether people on the outside think that it's what they deserve or not, it's detrimental to those people because they're going to reoffend, and it could be someone you know, it could be you, you know? Completely. And it's like people say, well, what about the victims? It's like, well, how selfish is it for those victims to say, I want to create more victims just like yeah. me? Just so I can feel some sense of justice. Exactly. And actually, but that isn't the case. If you talk to 99 out of 100 victims, what's Mm. the thing they always say? They always say, I don't want this to happen to anyone else. Yeah. Well, guess what? We have a system that almost manufactures someone else. And and, And that's because they're so inhumane and barbaric. I'm not saying make them nice places, just make them humane. Just make them humane. This is bringing us to the end of the podcast, and I just wanted to know, in terms of prison reform and what people listening can do to make a difference, like what would the number one thing be that you could recommend people to do? Other than buy my book, (laughs) (laughs) which is called A Bit of a Stretch and available in all good bookshops, Uh, and I have a podcast as well, you can listen to that. Uh, No, in, in all seriousness, I think... A lot of it, a lot of the reason we have a very dysfunctional prison system, and by dysfunctional mm-hmm. I mean not that it's horrible, because it's obviously prisons are horrible. You're stuck yep. away from your family, but it's so brutal and so inhumane that it's actually counterproductive because it means yep. people are more likely to commit crime, and that isn't the case in lots of European countries mm-hmm. where they manage to reform people very successfully and they they close prisons. You know the crime rates are falling mm-hmm. because prisons do their job, and that isn't happening here. Yeah, and I think one of the problems is is that people have a quite. We talked about this at the start. Quite a sort of sadistic. Um, judgmental approach to yep. people who have done something wrong and are uh, and there's this very sort of barbaric feeling that we have to pulverize people and the more mm-hmm. we punish them the better society is and it's actually mm-hmm. really the other way around 
Yeah. So it's more just about changing views and mindsets. There's this big myth that prisons in the UK are like holiday camps. It's like, mm. mate, I've been to holiday camps and I've been <laughs> to prison. They ain't the same. Okay. People don't like seven people have killed themselves in Wandsworth this year. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't happen in centre parks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's it, so so it, it's breaking that myth and changing the perspective because the more people do that then the more politicians will have the wiggle room to say okay we're going to have more education in prisons rather than more sniffer dogs you know and it's that sort of shift that needs to happen to say oh if prisoners are taught to read and write they're not going to commit crimes quite as much if they do if they're illiterate and it's just simple Mm -hmm. things like that it's changing the the conversation really about prisons yeah and i think just having compassion and empathy for for everyone is just just going to be a huge benefit and go on dates with them we're, we're fine go on go and date them. No, no, no. <laughs> go out with them all <laughs> go out with them <laughs> tame them tame the beast no i'm joking <laughs> oh chris well thank you so much for joining the pod you've been thank one you. of my favorite guests of any oh. episode of mads world so i'm very grateful and um yeah if you guys listening want to check out chris's podcast or his book i will link both of them in the episode description it's definitely worth a read and um yeah thank you so much thank you for having me thank you I hope you enjoyed my chat with Chris. Please let me know on my Instagram. It's at madsworld.mp3 or my website, madsworld.co, if you have any stories, thoughts, or opinions of your own to share. Love and elbow taps. Peace. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 